If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next episode. Hello, everybody. My name is Richard James. For those of you who don't know who I am, my goal is to work with entrepreneurial-minded attorneys to help them build the systems in their practice that can develop a law firm that supports their lifestyle rather than completely undermining their lifestyle. And for me, really, it's all about um, it's about these systems one at a time. And, and today, we're going to be unpacking one particular system, which is the system of lead conversion from the phone. The, the number one challenge I find with law firms is that their phones are broken. All right. So um, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get started. Uh, the goal of today is to help you understand how to increase your conversions. The title says, I'll read it for you, increase your initial consultations by 83% today without spending a single nickel on advertising dollars. That's correct. This system works even if your firm is already doing so well, you don't believe you need more initial consultations. Now, some of you call them potential new clients. Some of you just call them appointments. Some of you call them initial consultations. I don't know what your language is. My language is always initial consultations inside my perfect client lifecycle, which I'll talk to you about in a little bit. I talk to them about uh, this concept of appointments, so setting appointments. Um, so we oftentimes refer to them as sets. For those of you who were just at Partners Club not long ago, um, you'll recognize that headline, right? So I use the formula that we learned at Partners Club about how to write a good headline. You know, it was this idea of what it is that we're going to talk about by when are we going to talk about it without having to do something and then even if, right? So if you're, if you're astute and you're from Partners Club and you're in our world and you saw this last couple of weeks ago at Partners Club, you see that I'm using this formula because it works in all aspects. Um, hopefully today, some of you invited maybe some of your phone team, anybody who's setting appointments, um, or maybe you are the person who sets appointments um, and you're an attorney and you actually answer your own phone um, for new potential clients. We'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, and, and we're going to kind of uh, go through that right now. So I'm sharing my screen. I've got you all muted. At the end of today, I will open this up for questions for you. I can see some of you've got some of the other features going on where you can annotate on the screen and that's fine. I've got it so I'm sharing my screen so you don't have to worry about sharing yours and we'll just start moving through it. So um, here's the three things we're gonna try to discover today. We're gonna eliminate the one deadly mistake um, all law firms make at some point. I would say hint, it's not what you think. Uh, my proprietary 11 step system to increase your new appointments by 83%. Um, and, and specifically today. So if you just take these 11 steps, my goal today is to give you the 11 steps so you can take it and use it, all right? So you can actually just rock and roll with this and you can put it in play. Now, for those of you who are in my world, 
you've, you've heard me talk about this before, but what I noticed at Partners Club, as I came up to people came up to me in the hall and they were talking to me about software or they were talking to me about setting appointments, they were really not understanding all of the steps the way that I have them worded. So I'm gonna take some time. I haven't done an 11 step process in a long time. Um, and so I'm gonna take some time and I can unpack what these 11 steps are so that you can understand what my words mean. Um, if you're using software to manage this, that's great, but still you or whoever's managing the team, whoever's answering the phones really needs to understand why I built these steps the way that I did. Um, and, and quick story, uh, you know, I, I went down to Mexico not long ago to visit a software company that I invested in. It's called Four Eyes, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that too. But um, at, when I was in Mexico, uh, the, the, the staff members there were just so much fun to be around. They really were. Um, and, and in part, that was because they made me feel real special because they, they brought me over to where they had my 11 steps already on the wall. So they broke these 11 steps out and they put them on the wall. And that, that didn't shock me as much as did the fact that when I asked them, you know, why, you know, why such a big deal over the 11 steps? Because to me, it, it just seems second nature. They said, you know, they've worked for a lot of call center worlds where they were answering phone and setting appointments for professionals like doctors or nurses, doctors or dentists or attorneys. And a lot of the other things that the other call centers had them do didn't work. And this formula actually works. And because they were compensated or bonused on how many appointments they set and how many appointments showed up, they loved this system. So this, this what I'm about to tell you works in real time. It works every time, but you have to understand it. And, and the person who's gonna own it, you the owner, have to, have to know why we did what we did. And, and then we're also gonna talk about how to set an appointment that'll actually arrive to your door ready to retain your firm. That's inside the 11 steps, but I want you to see, because of the way we structured it, the way we structured it, um, they're more liable to retain your firm because of the way we do this. So let's keep going and I'll kind of unpack this for you. So who's gonna benefit more from the most from this? This is designed for anybody who um, sets appointments. So if your firm tends to hire your, your consults, in other words, somebody dials in, let's say you're a DUI firm, and somebody dials into your office and, and you attempt to sell them your services to our DUI right there over the phone. Or somebody dials into your office and so their social security disability or PI, and you don't set a consult for them. You try to sell them right now. The structure of this isn't designed to make a sale, but what you need to know is it'll still work. You'll, need, you'll just need to do some tweaking. This particular 11 steps I call the 11 step structure of setting the appointment or the 11 step, 11 step structure of the phone call. We have 11 step structures or 13 step structures for all different variants. So for collections, for making the sale, for doing different things. This particular 11 step structure we're talking about right now is about setting the appointment that will actually show up um, to the office. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of unpack that for you a little bit more. So here's here's why this is important. This is a system inside of all the systems that I teach. So I teach uh, entrepreneurial-minded attorneys how to build systems in a law firm that will set them free. And my goal is to truly get them towards freedom. Uh, but there's many different systems that they need to know. And what happens to me more often than not 
is when an attorney comes into my world, either for the first time or as a lead, or maybe they've been around for a while and they just come back to me and they go, you know, I just, I'm just finally starting to get it. I ask, well, what was your challenge? And they tell me that either they don't have enough time, they can't get home in time for dinner, they can't not work a weekend, they're working seven days a week, you know, eight hours to 10 hours a day. They can't take a vacation, certainly without their cell phone or their laptop attached to their hip. Um, coaching their kids baseball team or whatever, that's not even an option for them. Or they don't have any money. So they're not making enough money, the money they deserve to make, the money that they, after all the money they've invested into time, uh, education, both in time and in real dollars, uh, they don't make the return on investment. Um, or, or maybe they don't have a system to retire. You know, they, they're getting past 55. They're thinking about retirement and they're saying to themselves, I'd like to sell the firm or succeed the firm, but they don't have a system to do that. Well, this is one of the pieces of the overall systems you need to accomplish that goal. Okay, so just, I, I see we now have 69 people on the call. So for those of you who are just coming on, I'll, I'll do my friendly. This was what I was wearing when I started, okay? Because it's freezing in Arizona. Uh, just, you can all be happy about that. No more texts for me about how it's 80 degrees here and 20 degrees somewhere else. I get it, the rest of the world is warmer than I am right now. It's cold. The heat's on in my house for the first time uh, in ages. Welcome to the call. Today we are gonna be talking about how to convert more of your leads into appointments that actually show up and want to retain your firm. Um, so let's keep moving. Before we go any further, we have to start with the same place we always start with. So I can see a lot of you on video. Hi, Jeff Kelly. Um, and we, we're gonna start in the same way that we always start. And we are going to raise our right hand and we're gonna take this off. Now here's what I'm gonna have you do, okay? Because every one of you right now are thinking some version of, but wait a second, Richard, you don't seem to understand, you know, I answer my own phones, this isn't gonna work for me. Or Betty, who's been answering my phones for all these years, she has her way of doing it. She is not gonna change the way she's doing it. Or, you know what, this might work fine in that big city like Phoenix, but you know, in Paducah, Kentucky, this ain't ever gonna work. Um, so my point is, you're, somebody out there right now is thinking, my business is different than yours. And so we start, the same way we always start. So I'm gonna unmute everybody real quick and we're gonna take this oath together. So uh, it's gonna sound like a cacophony, but we're gonna do it. I'm gonna unmute everybody and unmute everybody again. So, all right, raise your right hand, repeat after me. My business, my business, my business. is not different. It's not different. It's not different. From yours. From, From yours. yours. Fantastic. All right, thank you for participating and muting you back again. So, uh, the, the, the premise here is that what I'm teaching you works in every single business I have ever built, specifically law firms, and now having worked with personally hundreds of attorneys directly and, and, and really taught to thousands of attorneys over my lifetime, this system works time and time again. But it is only one little piece of the puzzle, but it is a piece of the puzzle that can make you more money today. Like today, if you're not doing this, if something's broken, if, you're, if your number of appointments that you're setting as compared to the number of leads that you get are not high, like high, like 70, 80%, we've got a problem. And so we need to fix that today. Let's talk about it. So why is it important to learn now? Because if, if your perfect client life cycle is broken, we're gonna talk about that in just a minute, the only way to fix it is to start in the very beginning. And the very beginning stage is to set your appointments. But, but there's, a, there's a bigger point here. I've been doing more and more reading about the legal Zooms of the world and the online competitors are starting to creep up. And 
uh, more and more of your competitors are getting uh, more savvy about their marketing and advertising. I'm, I'm seeing it out there more. I'm hearing the cost per client acquisition is going up. If you don't maximize the number of people who pick up your phone and call you into appointments, we're missing a huge component of this puzzle. Think about this. Sally Smith is struggling financially. She's got credit card debt and she's being pounded on by, by creditors. And she realizes she needs help and she picks up the Google and she starts Googling you and she picks up the phone and she calls you. And for whatever reason, she will not set an appointment. Now, why would she not set an appointment? Well, in my experience, most times she doesn't set an appointment is because one of these 11 steps were broken. And the person that was answering the phone wasn't well-trained. And there's, and there's lots of things that I mean by that. Sometimes Sally picks up the phone and she calls and it goes right to the attorney's cell phone voicemail and the voicemail is full. Sometimes uh, Sally calls the law office and the law office doesn't answer. It goes to the law office voicemail and they have to call her back. Sometimes Sally picks up the phone and calls the law office and the law office automatically puts them on hold because the same person that's answering Sally's call is answering everybody else's call in the firm as well, or maybe also greeting people at the front desk and somebody just walked in and they didn't have time to answer Sally's call right there. Sometimes Sally calls the office and when they're greeted, they can tell that they're not greeted warmly and whoever answered the phone is in the middle of 10 different things and they're completely distracted and they can't give Sally the attention that she needs. And Sally then decides that this isn't a firm that she can instantly trust because Sally determines trust within nanoseconds of the phone being answered. Sally might call and the phone may ring 10 times before it's answered, in which case Sally's already questioning whether this firm is for her or not. This comes under the concept of micromanaging the client experience and inside of micromanaging the client experience, we are going to want to maximize the way in which we set appointments. And the reason we want to do that is because Sally needs help. And your job is to believe that you are the very best firm to help Sally. And in order for Sally to get that help, we need to get her to the next stage in the process. The phone call's job is not to sell Sally, unless that's your model. If your model is setting consults, the phone call's job is to just set the consult to get them to the next stage. So in order to do that, we have to follow a structure, not a script, but a structure. And that's what the 11 steps is all about. And the reason this is more important now than ever is because you've got more competition than you've ever had before, um, and uh, including not only other attorneys, but what's going on online. Okay, so we're gonna talk about the lead conversion machine. That's really where we are in this conversation and the systems that I teach you to build. This global system is called the lead conversion machine. Um, and so some people might go, well, I don't really know you all that well. Why should I listen to you? I'm not gonna get into a whole big lengthy story. Just know that for those that need reminding, um, uh, an attorney saw me speak from the stage a decade ago, asked me if what I told, talked about really worked, and I talked about all of this then. And I said, yes, and he said, prove it. I said, what do you have in mind? I went to work with him. We shared a desk, kneecap to kneecap. And within two and a half years, we built that to three and a half million dollars in annualized sales. Um, and that was literally just two guys sharing a desk, growing it into 19 employees um, and two and a half years later. That's one part of the story. The other part of the story is that guy, that attorney got his life back. He, he didn't have a life. He made money. He was already successful making money before that, but, but he didn't have any time, couldn't take vacations. And so we got him to that number, but he was able to take the vacations too. But I think more importantly is it's specific to this particular lesson. If we talk about Bert Diener, 
and I said I would talk about four eyes in a little bit. Bert you know, started into my world, and his challenge is that his top side number, he, he was doing you know uh, seven figures a year, but his top side number, gross numbers, were nice, but his bottom side numbers, uh, what I call the, the sanity numbers, I, I say it like this, for all of you who know me, you know the top side numbers are for vanity, bottom side numbers are for sanity. Um, his sanity numbers were horrible. He was losing money every month. And so Bert and I really talked about, well, how do we increase conversion across the board? And one of the first things that we did was look at teaching him these 11 steps. And so he would take his, his team members and he would put them on my, what I called your staff train uh, calls, where I would take his team member and I would listen to a recording and I would train them through these 11 steps. And Bert loved this so much because his team members were coming back telling him about the great results that what he did was he actually built some software on it. So it says it here that before Bert was scheduling about 40 to 50% of all of his leads into consults. Um, after they put the 11 step system in, they were scheduling over 80% of their leads into consults. Now that alone, just do the math. I mean, I don't know how many leads you get, but just run the math on that to see what the end net result is in client value for you as a firm and how that affects your profitability. Um, but he believed in it so much that he actually went ahead and built software for it. So I, I, I watched Bert build this software to automate my 11 steps. He, he, he was so happy about it. One day he called me and said, Hey, I want you to see something. And he showed it to me and, uh, he really wanted a beta test it. So he did, he beta tested it in our world and he got great results for our clients. So I fell in love with it so much as a full disclaimer, I became an investor. We're not here to, to sell you or pitch four eyes, but this story is powerful in that here you got a guy who by most attorneys definition was already successful. He had multiple offices with millions of dollars in sales. But what most people didn't know is he wasn't profitable. And, and one of the ways we looked at maintaining profitability or increasing profitability was getting more conversions, more new clients out of leads he was already getting. And so by using the 11 steps, he increased his conversion from 40% to 80%. And because he did that, and because his staff responded to it so well, he decided to build software to automate this process actually created an entire new company. He's become free from his law firm. He doesn't practice law anymore. Somebody else actually runs his firm. He keeps his eyes on what we call the key performance indicators. But now he spends the majority of his time building this company called Four Eyes, which is designed to develop software to help clients actually automate these 11 steps. But that's not the point of today's call. The point of today's call is for you to understand what the 11 steps are because you can't automate them until you know what they are and you've, you've really inside you've decided that you're going to do this. You understand the reason for it. Okay. Uh, wow. We're up to 81. So there's been new people coming on. For those of you that are coming on, we are talking about using the 11 step structure of the call to convert more leads into appointments. You can see right here, this is our perfect client life cycle. Uh, inside of your perfect client life cycle, you, um, uh, inside the perfect client life cycle, you can see that it says lead generation, converting to appointments, increasing show rate, new clients, getting paid and obtaining referrals. So to be clear, this is the path that I see that all leads take as they go through your law firm. So first they raise their hand, they become a lead, and then they convert to an appointment. Whether they do this on their own because you've got some software on your website that they do this with, or they do this um, you know, because you have a phone rep, pick up the phone and call them, um, I don't, doesn't really matter. What we're trying to do today though is increase the number of conversions we get because of the use of the telephone. Now the next stage is increasing the show rate. So the number of people that set appointments as compared to the number of people that show. And the next stage is increase the number of new clients. 
We're not going to pay attention to getting paid and obtaining referrals today. That's another conversation. But this particular system that I'm teaching you today directly affects the number of appointments that we set as compared to the number of leads and the number of people that will show up and the number of people that will hire the firm. You'll see more about why that is later. Now, this is a worksheet that we use. This is the top side of the worksheet. The bottom side of the worksheet actually looks like this. And so when you actually take these numbers out, if you're in our Partners Club program, every, every quarter we have our Partners Club members fill this out. This is something you should know weekly, by the way. Um, but we have them do it at least on a monthly basis so they know it at least, at least four times a year they're going to get this done. Um, all of you should know these numbers weekly. I run our numbers every week um, and I actually see my numbers every day. Um, so basically what this is saying is we take the number of new leads, we put them here, the number of new sets, put them here, number of new shows, number of hires, number of paying, number of referrals. And then this little conversion here, this is where all the magic happens. So it's what percentage of new leads did we set appointments? What percentage of appointments showed up? What percentage of shows hired? And you see, as you start to map this out, what you find is if you can, if you think about Bert, you know, if he had a, for every hundred leads he had, he was setting 40 appointments. Well, in his case, if he now set 80 appointments out of those hundred leads, and if it, if his show rate was 50%, which is marginally horrible, but, but let's say it's 50%. That means instead of 20 people showing up, 40 people are showing up. And let's say that 50% of the people he met with hired the firm. Um, and so instead of 10 people hiring the firm, 20 people hired the firm. We literally doubled the number of new clients that you brought into the firm without spending more money in marketing. That's what we did to Burt's firm. We doubled the number of clients coming into the firm without spending more money on marketing. That's the secret. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But I'd say the real reason why we're doing what we're doing is because of this, right? I'd said earlier that Burt is free. And you can see that this is a timeline. So you've got now, one year, two year, three years. And what I find is most attorneys start in our world either in chaos or growth. They're either in debt, working seven days a week, they've got no time, no money, and they have no plan to retire. Or they're working month, uh, living month to month, kind of like you know they're scared when payroll comes around if they're gonna hit it. Uh, they work at least six days a week and their profit is really low. They just have the paycheck or their draw that they take from their business, but it's not significant. And, it, and if they had to pay somebody to replace themselves, there wouldn't be any real profit for them to, to live off of as a business owner. And what we find is, if we do nothing between now and, and the next three years, we're going to have at best the same results, if not no change, the definition of insanity. But where we want to get our members to, and all the people that I work with to, my real goal is to help you get healthy. I want you to have a staff that runs your business. I want you to be able to work five days a week if you want. I, and I want you to have some profit. So if you had to replace yourself and you didn't do any of the legal work or any of the actual work in your business, that you would have profit that you could live off of as an investor. Ultimately, I want everybody to get to freedom where you've got a million dollars in personal wealth. And I'm not talking about because your value of your house went up. I'm talking about cash, okay? Um, you work three days a week um, because you want to stay active in the business and you like the business, but not because you have to be there. And the business gives you what we call passive income. Now, why this is so important, you know, it's funny, I, 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 uh, Ron Morton, I don't know if Ron's on the call, sorry, I got a lot of people on here, Ron. Ron Morton had me um, come on and be a guest at his law, as his law uh, school uh, yesterday, uh, so Monday. So I, at eight o'clock in the morning here, I jumped on and I did a webinar uh, or a webcast uh, similar to this for his law students. 
and I asked them, you know, how many of them consider themselves entrepreneurs? And, and only one hand went up. And then I asked, well, how many um, planned on going out and opening their own firm right after they graduate from law school? And like two hands went up. And then I said, so it's safe to assume that everybody else assumes you're going to go work for somebody else. And they all said, yeah. I said, okay, how many of you that are going to go work for somebody else expect that at some point in your career will open your own law firm? Every single hand went up. So they don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. They didn't think about it from a business perspective first. And they all expected to go out and open their own law firm. It had been the first time, by the way, that I ever talked to law students. And I had always worked with attorneys who came to me after a significant amount of pain in their life, and they wanted to solve a problem. These kids didn't want to solve a problem. They, what they really wanted to do was they wanted to be attorneys. When I asked them, by the way, why they wanted to be attorneys, the resounding answer was because I wanted to, I wanted to have a great life I wanted to make a lot of money, right? That, like that was their general answer. They just believed being an attorney uh, meant that they were going to have a great life and make a lot of money. And when I broke the news of them that the average attorney made uh, $49,000 a year, I think I saw like half the class get up and leave. And I hope they didn't withdraw from law. <laughs> Sorry, Ron, if that ruined anything for you. But, but anyway, uh, my point is this. Attorneys, I find, get into being their own boss very in a happenstance manner. It's not on purpose. And so they find themselves in chaos very, very quickly, even if they're excellent attorneys. And they find getting their way out of freedom takes a long time if they ever figure it out. Many attorneys never do. Um, but you're not many attorneys. You're here. You're on this call because you recognize there was something inside of what I teach that is going to paint this path. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to experience freedom, not within three years. I want you to experience freedom within a couple of years. You know, like I heard the story at Partners Club a couple of weeks ago. David Brennan uh, was doing $150,000 a year when he met me. And, and that was just a couple of years ago. And he, he did just a million dollars last year. Uh, 75 weeks ago, um, uh, uh, Howard Snyder was had one employee who had just quit on him was doing you know a couple hundred thousand dollars a year a little more than that and he, and he did just shy of a million dollars this year and he ha hasn't been in a court and he just had one six-figure uh, criminal case hire him and, and, and he's got an attorney that's going to do that for him and he's not going to have to do it great things are happening and it's happening inside of a year so it's possible we've watched it happen and it's possible for you too this is the one step that you need to master along that path so let's get going by the way, if, if, you're, if you're new here and you're stuck and, and you want more, you can, this is my only pitch, okay? You can go to therichardjames.com forward slash PPGP, Personalized Practice Growth Plan. You can schedule some time with us and we'll kind of unpack your practice and figure out what's working and it's not working and, and, we'll, and we'll invest some time with you. It's a 20 minute call. We can figure it out. That's as big as the pitch gets. Let's, let's get into the 11 step structure of the call. All right, so the first thing it says, I'm, I'm gonna, I've broken these out piece by piece. Um, the first thing it says is stop, preframe your state. And then we get into smile, ask the referral question, introduction, harvesting of data, relationship building, book discussion, asking for the order, choice of something and something, let them know the process, ask the do you promise question, and recap the relationship. I've highlighted two of the more important ones, which is relationship building and, and recapping the relationship. I, I've also high, highlighted um, in the presentation that's to follow this, uh, the do you promise section, you can see that the let them know the process is in red. That's the section that I really need to make sure is scripted and, and it is memorized. I would also say that the introduction is, should be scripted and memorized. And as silly as it sounds, the smile should be scripted 
and memorized. You can hear when I, and you can see me, but you can hear when I'm smiling on the other end of the phone. You just, you just know when I've got a smile on my face as opposed to, yeah, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Law office. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I hear this on, when, I, when I call office. Law offices. That's it. It's all here. Law offices. Are you kidding me? Right? This person is struggling and they hear this sterile battle axe Bertha answering the phone, angry at the world because they've got to answer one more phone call in the middle of doing whatever else they were doing. It was bugging them. And I understand we're busy people, but I'm telling you, it's cost. Not only is it costing you real money, it's costing you the real goal here, which is you can't help that client because if they lose respect for you or lose trust and they leave, you can't help them. So, so let, let's get into this. All right, let me just stop. Any, by the way, we have a chat section uh, for those who don't know down the bottom, some kind of housekeeping stuff. There's the, you can raise your hand. So under your participation, you can raise your hand and, and I could see you raise your hand. So later on when we ask questions, there's also a chat section. You can go ahead and type in the chat. If you have a question, you want me to stop. I'm not watching you on video to see if you wave your hand at me. Um, I tend to look at the camera so it feels like I'm looking right at you. So I don't see all the other stuff, but I do have the, I do have the chat open and I do have the, uh, the participants open that you can raise your hand or you can, you can fill out a chat question. All right. So we'll keep going and I'll open up for questions in a little bit, but halfway through and I'm sure we'll have time for some questions. Let me get a drink. All right. Stop. Preframe your state. The most important thing that the person who's answering the phone has to know is they have to stop and pre-frame their state. What I mean is when the phone rings, I need them to become like a Pavlov dog. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. I need them to hear the phone ring and I need them to go, uh-oh, this is a potential new client. Let me freeze whatever else I, it is I'm doing, turn off my cell phone, close down the other screen, bring up my contact management screen, whatever it is I've got to do. I just got to pre-frame my state and say, okay, I am going to stick to the 11 script steps. Let's have the 11 steps up on the wall. If I'm using software that's managing it like four hours, great. But I know what my job is. My job is to assume that that phone call is somebody who's in desperate need of our services and that I'm the difference between them setting an appointment and getting the help they need and not setting the appointment and not getting the help that they need. Uh, to illustrate this for you, those of you who've been around for, for a while, you've heard this story, but it's, it is an important story that I think is worth retelling. When I was uh, a young man, I was in the funeral business. When I first started in the funeral business, I lived above the funeral home and my grandmother lived next to me and we had one line that rang kind of at everybody's house my uncle's house my grandmother's house and my my apartment and like she lived in an apartment next door to me so anyway uh at two o'clock in the morning my uncle would practice with me he would he would want me to answer the phone to see how i would do when somebody called at two o'clock in the morning and of course when i would answer the phone the first time i said you know stroke funeral home oh, this is richard how can i help you and and he'd, he'd just go not good enough hang up, try again. And then he'd call me back and not good enough, try again. And I wasn't getting it. And I, what I didn't know is my grandmother was also answering the phone, listening to what I was saying. And the next morning over breakfast, she said to me, Richie, she said, um, you know, I think I can help you with your, with your phone problem. I go, all right, what, what do I have to do? She goes, okay, 
when the phone rings and it was this big old, you know, the rotary phone, three click, 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 four click, 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 and it rang and it like vibrated you out of bed. When the phone rings, what I need you to do, the, the phone won't ring more than three times. If it rings three times, it goes to answering service. It goes to answering service, that's no bueno, no good. So it's, you've got to answer it on the third ring. Or pardon me, you've got to answer it before the fourth ring. So um, she said, when the phone rings, you immediately have to swing your feet around the bed. She goes, and you have to sit up and you have to practice. You have to say, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home. And I would do that. And you had to get the frog out of your voice, right? And so I was practicing. She told me to practice stroke funeral home. And she goes, and on ring two, you would pick up the phone and you would say, stroke funeral home, this is Rich, how can I help you? And it would sound like you were sitting there all night long, just waiting for the phone to ring. And you would be empathetic and you could be sympathetic to what was going on in that family situation because they had just had a loss. And, and so I, I did what grandma said, and I did it, ring one, swing my feet across the bed, ring two, practice, ring three, answer the phone, don't never let it get to ring four. And she was proud of me and my uncle was proud of me. Now I'm 22 years old, fast forward, three years later I get married, I'm 25. My wife, uh, who never stayed over the funeral home before, uh, not because we wouldn't be willing to, but because my grandmother stayed next door and that was a no-no, had never stayed in, uh, in my bed. And so we were married back from the honeymoon, first time, calls are now coming back to me. And here we are, um, you know, first like day back into the marital bed, three o'clock in the morning, the phone rings and I swing my feet around the bed. I start going, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home, stroke funeral home. And I grab the phone and she looks over to me like as if she came out of the exorcist and her head spun around and goes, what the hell are you doing? I freaked her out, right? I, I make that story. It's, it's kind of funny. I couldn't hear you laugh. I'm hoping you laughed a little bit. It's a true story. It's not made up. She will tell you it. If you meet my ECIB, my East Coast Italian bride, uh, together now 32 years, uh, married 22 years, 23 years this year, um, she would tell you that uh, that is a true story. But the reason I tell you that is because my grandmother was wise enough to know that what I needed to do was I needed to pre-frame my state. I wasn't pre-framing my state. I didn't understand the importance. You know, she put it to me like this. She said, honey, somebody just lost their mom or dad and they're calling you and you answer the phone like you're in a drunken stupor at three o'clock in the morning and you just smoked a pack of Marlboros. She's like, you need to, you need to be better at this because we owe it to our clients to serve them in a way that they deserve to be served. I'm telling you, you need to owe it to your clients so they trust you from the very first second they answer the phone pre-frame your state. Sounds like I spent an awful lot of time on not even step one, right? I did, because this is probably the most important part. If I get, if you get this wrong, if you're not ready to rock and roll answering the phone or making an outbound call, I'm telling you what, the rest of this isn't going to work, which is why I say it's great to have a software that manages and it's great to know the 11 steps. But if you don't own this as the owner, if you don't make sure they know what they need to do and why this is so important to them, if you can't illustrate to them in a way that my grandmother illustrated to me, this is going to fail in your firm, okay? But if you get it right, if you can get the emotional connection across to them, this is going to work in your firm. And by the way, if you're one of those attorneys, I, I don't like, I guess I didn't mention this. The number one, the number one sin attorneys commit in, the, in a law firm almost every time is until they have world, came into our world is they answer the phone. The last person that should answer the phone in your office is you. Attorneys shouldn't answer the phone. There are so many reasons for this, but the number one reason for it is that you're preoccupied with so many other things. You typically don't give the attention they need. And the second most important reason for it is you feel compelled to give legal advice. 
because that's what you do. And the goal of the phone call is not to give legal advice. The goal of the phone call is to get them to the next stage in the perfect client life cycle, which is setting the appointment. So if you're a person who already still answers your own phone, I'm telling you, no matter how good you think you are at this, you are making a mistake. Hire somebody else to answer and make outbound phone calls to set appointments for you. I promise you, it will make you money instantly. Okay, step one, smile, okay? So we talked about this. You can hear a smile on the other end of the phone. Here is your cheat sheet moment for the smile. If you've got a phone rep who's answering the phone, the number one thing you wanna do to increase the smile capture, on, the sme, the sme, increase their smile count on the phone is to buy them a mirror. Number one thing. Now they're all gonna complain because they don't wanna look at themselves all day long because they're gonna tell you that they can't stand looking at themselves. Maybe they don't like pictures. Maybe they don't like how their hair looked that day. I promise you they will give you every reason why a mirror seems childish. But if you would put a mirror in front of them, they will talk to themselves and they love talking to themselves and they can see a smile. My wife, my ECIB was my number two sales rep. I say she was my number two. I, I would love to say she was my number one, but I had a sales rep back when I owned pet supply companies um, that was just far better than anybody else I've ever met in my life. And my wife, having no experience in this whatsoever, stepped in and quickly became the number two rep. And she will tell you the reason why she became the number two rep is because I took a huge mirror. It was one of those 36 by 24s and had a really nice frame and I put it up right behind her cube area, behind her monitors. And she had that mirror and she looked at herself all day long. She messed with her hair and she put on her makeup. But when she was on the phone, every time she dialed, she knew she was smiling. And she will tell you that that was the reason why she was able to do better than everybody. We had 10 other people on the phone and she had no experience. How does she do it? Well, she's good, but she tells you that it's because she knew she smiled. Put a mirror on your desk. I promise you it will work. Ask the referral question. Most people get this wrong. Now, I wrote these with my understanding in mind, which is why I wanna go through these with you. Um, normally, when people read this, they hear, oh, we're gonna ask how they heard about the firm, right? So we're gonna find out, did they call from Google, or did they call from our TV ad, or they call from the billboard, or we're gonna find that out, right? We're gonna figure out how do they come, That's, it's a tracking mechanism. That's not really the reason for step number two. While we will get that information, I prefer tracking uh, not by report in that way. I prefer tracking with actual tracking, tracking phone numbers, tracking URLs and, and the such. But what I, what I want this to do is I want to set up the stage called building a culture of referrals. So when you, when you build a law firm in the beginning stages, you're doing an awful lot of advertising. And when you're doing the advertising, the advertising is costing you a lot of money. But after you start to serve your clients over the years, your, your referral rate will start to go up. The number of referrals you receive as compared to the number of clients that you hire will start to increase because you'll serve your clients well and they will spread the good word about you and other referral partners will do that as well. Well, what I tell people is let's not leave that to chance. Let's build a culture of referrals from the very first phone call. And so the way we do that 
is we ask the referral question. So the question goes like this. It's, um, it, it's not, how did you hear about us? It's not, where did you find out about us? It's, the question is, who referred you to our firm? Or who referred you to attorney Smith? Or who you turned you to Mrs. Jones? However you say it, right? But who referred you to our firm? Now that question implies that we expect and expect, pardon me, we expect and we accept referrals, okay? Who referred you to our firm? Okay, so they're gonna say, well, oh, nobody, I found you on Google. Oh, that's okay. I just wanted to make sure I, I determined if somebody sent you over because Attorney Smith likes to say thank you personally to the people who send clients over to our firm. So now we've told them something else. We get enough referrals that we know to ask about it. We've also told them from the very beginning that Attorney Smith pays attention to who sends referrals and likes to say a personal thank you to anybody who does. Now we didn't imply that there's a gift. We didn't imply that he does anything other than say thank you. But there's always that question mark. Oh, how does he say thank you? We've done a lot of psychological subliminal things that aids in the number of referrals that we start to get because from the very beginning of the relationship with us, from the very first phone call, we've started the building the culture of referrals. That's what that question's about. Not, did they call from Google? Did they call from the TV? It is the referral question. Most important part is, who referred you to our firm? Step number three, the introduction. This is another one of those places that you want to memorize. So inside of the call, now I, people have taken, you know, um, uh, argument with me, attorneys have argued with me that, that three and four could, should kind of get reversed and you'll see why in a second. So I don't mind if you move this down a little bit, but what I, what I want to make sure you do is, is that you memorize it. So I want you to know, or whoever's on the phone, I want them to know your elevator speech. Like my elevator speech is really simple. You know, I, I work directly kneecap to kneecap with a local attorney in Phoenix. And in two and a half years, I took him from uh, $0 in sales to three and a half million dollars in annual sales, right? So that's my really, really quick elevator speech. So we need to know what yours is. You know, Attorney Smith has served over 13,150 clients uh, since he's been in practice. He focuses only on family law and, and uh, he has a holistic approach to, to divorce. I, that's a lousy, but you get my point, okay? So you wanna make sure we know what the elevator pitch is. And so they need to know what that introduction is. And if, we, and if Attorney Smith wrote the book on the subject, we wanna include that into this mix. And we'll talk about that in a second. So the introduction, never guess what we're going to say. Don't say something different every time. Write it out, script it out, have it memorized. Harvesting of data. This is why I say sometimes they like to flip three and four around. Sometimes what we do is we start to harvest the data right away. And I'm okay with that. I'm all right if we start going into harvesting of the data. But I, I, do, like, I do like structure because I like flow. So when we smile, right? So if we go back and we, and we smile and we ask the referral question, so it's, oh, who referred you to our firm? Oh, you called on Google. Oh, no worries. And Mr. Smith just likes to say a personal thank you to anybody who referred to business. So I always ask that question because he gets an awful lot of referrals. Okay. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Mr. Smith actually wrote the book on bankruptcy because he served over 1,150 clients in the last two years and he's eliminated, you know, $9 billion in, in creditor debt. 
Um, and so, uh, but before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to make sure the number that you're calling from, uh, that, that's a, that the caller that I see on your caller ID, is that your cell phone or is that your office phone or your house? Oh, okay, that's your cell phone. Great. So is that the primary number you'd like us to call? And so now we're going into harvesting of data. Listen, if you call AT&T or Verizon or the cable company or any well-trained big dollar organization, what's the first thing that they do? They make sure they harvest and update your data. What is your address? What is your email address? What is your phone number? What, why do they do that? Well, they do it so that they make sure that your records are complete, but they also do it for a reason that they never admit that they're doing it. And that's, if you're a new lead in that world, or if you're a new lead in, in your world, you paid to make the phone ring. So if you're a, a personal injury attorney, you may have paid $300 just to make that phone ring. Some clicks, sometimes people paid $150 just to get a click in personal injury uh, on a pay-per-click ad. You may have paid $300 or more to get a client to actually pick up the phone and or prospect to pick up the phone and call your office. So if you've paid that much money to, to get that phone to ring, shouldn't you get every single possible piece of information about that lead every single time? Yeah, you should. You should have their email address. You should have their cell phone number. You should have their home address. Why should you have all this stuff? Because if for some reason they get off this phone call and they don't set an appointment, or they set the appointment and they don't show up, or they show up and they don't hire the firm, we want to be able to communicate with them, as I like to say, until they buy, die, or unsubscribe. And I want to be able to do that with as many formats as humanly possible. So I need to make sure that I have their email address, that I have their cell phone number so I can send them a text message, so that I have their physical address so I can send them an unconverted lead direct mail piece, and so on and so on. So harvesting every single piece of information about every single lead every single time is a fundamental a fundamental important faction inside of a law firm. And it's one of those areas that law firms get wrong all the time. Do you know how many times I talk to law firms for the very first time and I'll ask them their personal, their, per, uh, their client life cycle, you know, their perfect client life cycle numbers. I'll say, Hey, how many leads do you have? And they will instantly go to the calendar and they will start counting the number of appointments they have in the calendar. And I'll say, well, why are you counting the appointments on the calendar? Well, that's our leads. Well, does everybody that calls your office schedule an appointment? And they say, well, no, I'd imagine not. Well, how many people do you have that call the office that don't schedule an appointment? And oftentimes the answer is, I don't know. They have no idea because they don't have this system in place. So a system of harvesting is, is essential. It's one of the three primary components to building any system, harvesting of data, inspection by report, and automation. But in this particular thing, in this particular point inside of the 11 steps is we're going to make sure we harvest all of the data about every single call, every single time. Five, relationship building. By far the most important thing that we do. I said that this 11 step process is going to help you set more appointments, is going to help you get more people to show, and is going to get, help you get more people to hire the firm. And that's what this does, relationship building. Step number five, it's where the rubber meets the road. This is where your, your pro, the person that's on the phone in your world says to the person that's calling, whenever they say, they say some open-ended question like, tell me what's going on for you? Why did you call our firm today? And they tell them something, right? Oh, I just got sued. Um, my spouse just filed for a divorce. I got a DUI last night. I don't know what it is, it doesn't matter. 
The next question out of your rep's mouth, this is, this is the writer downer. Tell me more about that. Now it's a question statement. Tell me more about that. It's all I want them to say. And I want them to say that three levels deep if I can, because I want them to be able to get to the next level and the next level. Oh, I got a DUI. Well, I was out with some friends. I never drink and drive. So-and-so did this, they did that. I had to get behind the wheel of the car. Oh, no kidding, tell me more about that. What was going on, you, you were going out with your friends. Oh, what was a bachelor party? Oh, well, who got married? Oh, well, my, my best friend got married. Oh, are you married too? Yeah, I'm married too. Oh, so your wife let you go to a bachelor party? Yeah, you guys have kids, yep. So all of a sudden, tell me more about that. I just ask more questions. Be naturally curious. People don't want to hear you talk. People want to hear themselves talk. And they want for the first time, probably since whatever happened to them happened to them, they want to be able to tell their story to somebody. If we get this section right, and you put a person on the phone who's naturally curious about the true betterment of others, what you will find is your engagement will go up. Now, here's where you know you got this right. If Sally is the person in your office who's answering the phone, when somebody sets an appointment, when they come to the office and they ask to see Sally, you know you've got this right. Because Sally built such a rapport with them that Sally's the one that they wanted to see, not the attorney, not Mr. Jones, not Attorney Smith. They wanted to talk to Sally because Sally made them feel good. Building a relationship is the number one job. It is not most important to get off the phone fast. I don't care if initial consultations take 10 minutes, meaning setting an initial consultation on the phone. I don't care if it takes 10 minutes. I don't care if it takes 15 minutes. I need a relationship built. Now, you've got to learn how to control the call. You've got to make sure we're not just chit-chatting, and we're going to make sure we, we bring it back to the main point, but we want to build a relationship, okay? Most important part of this process. Book discussion. If you've been around my world at all, if you've heard me talk at all, you know that I'm a fan of building authorship, celebrity, and expert. If you have a book, you should bring it up. So once they say their problem and they tell you what's going on inside of your book, you've likely told them what's going on. You've talked about their problem somewhere in your book. The person on the phone needs to have your book dear, uh, earmarked, uh, dog-eared, highlighted, posted, noted, memorized. They need to know where every single problem is in that book and they need to say to them, oh, you got a DUI and you're a nurse and you're worried about losing your license? Oh no, well, you know what, Attorney Smith, he wrote about that in his book. I'm gonna send you a copy of it, um, but you should write this down, page 23, he talks all about losing your professional license if you get a DUI and what you need to do. And as a matter of fact, I'll probably send you an electronic copy when we're done too, but I wanna, I wanna make sure you know that, that that's in the book. And, and so we just tie the book in. We reinforce the authorship celebrity expert. We're reinforcing that they are at the right place. The guy or gal that they're going to talk about literally wrote the book on the subject of the frustration that they're going through. You wrote a book, use it not only in your marketing, but use it inside of the 11-step plan. Okay, keep going. Asking for the order. So, when you hire somebody on the phone, it's really important that you try to hire somebody with some sales experience. If you try to put somebody on the phone, like let's say you have a paralegal who has a really nice voice and you figure you're gonna put her, he or she on the phone. Maybe that would be a win, but it may be a loss. 
because we may be asking a cat to be a dog. And what I mean by that is, if they're not a salesperson, make no bones about it, the person answering these calls needs to be a salesperson. And the person doing the selling is the person doing the asking. And the person doing the talking is the person doing the buying. That's the rule. And so on a sales call, you have to ask for the order. And what that looks like inside of an 11-step system is you have to give them a choice of something and something rather than a choice of something and nothing. Let me give you an example. Most folks, when they're scheduling an appointment, will say, well, I have some openings in the next couple of days. What's good for you? That's a choice of something and nothing. Well, nothing's good for me in the next couple of days. Or would you like to schedule an appointment? That's a choice of something and nothing. That's a yes or no question. No. The question should be, hey, we've got some openings this afternoon. It looks like you're going to have your foreclosure happen on Tuesday. Today's Thursday. Uh, Mr. Smith has got some openings this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Which would be better for you to save your house? See, that's the choice of something and something. That's something and nothing. Always the choice between two. And then when they say, well, morning would be better. Oh, great. Well, I have a 9 a.m. or an 11 a.m., which would work better for you? And then people say, well, what if I don't have two choices on that day? Okay, well, give them a choice of that and something else. If that's not going to work, we could look into next week. So which is going to work better for you, tomorrow at 9, morning, 9 in the morning, or do we have to look at next week? Don't just give them the choice of one, because if you give them a choice of something and nothing, there's a possibility that they say nothing. And if they say nothing, people love to say no. And once you get them down the path of saying no, before you know it, they are going to say no and they're gonna leave the call. You have to control the process, which is why I want somebody who has sales experience setting appointments. Specifically, if they have appointment setting experience, even better. Okay, let them know the process. This again was another highlighted section. This is a memorization section. What I mean by that is, in many cases, your law firm will send a confirmation email um, that you'll want them to give, you'll give them directions on how to get to the firm. You'll tell them what to bring with them, hopefully very little. Um, you'll tell them maybe what they have to do before they get there. I need this memorized. So, oh, Mr. Smith, uh, I wanna thank you for setting the appointment with Attorney Jones today. I want you to know that as soon as we're off the call, you're gonna receive a text message notification about the appointment. It's gonna have a link to some directions. In addition, we'll send you an email that will also have link to directions, as well as a link to the book that we talked about that Mr. Attorney Smith look, wrote. You can look at that right away. I'm also going to send you the book in the mail with some other information that you might find interesting. You should have that within the next 24 hours. Don't worry if that doesn't show up until after your appointment. That's okay. Uh, and finally, I want you to know that at our firm, we like to remind you by the phone. We like the in-person touch. And so we'll, somebody will be giving you a call to remind you about your appointment. Um, and, and we move on. So now we've let them know the process. That has to be memorized. Whatever your process is, it shouldn't be happenstance. It shouldn't be sometimes we say it and sometimes we don't. It shouldn't be make it up as we go. No, verbatim, word for word, memorize, no other way. Memorize it, repeat it, memorize it, repeat it. It is memorized, memorized. Or it's on software, like 4i software on a screen in front of you and you read it. But even if it's on screen in front of you, memorize it because I don't want it to sound like you're reading. I want to sound like you own it, just like I just sound, okay? It bridges into the next question, which is the, do you promise? So I just told them all the things I'm gonna do. And I say, now, Mr. Smith, just real quick, I want you to know that we don't take these appointments lightly. 
and, and Mr. Attorney Jones only has so many spots. I just, if you could make me a quick promise, if for whatever reason you can't make it to the appointment, would you please be sure to call us and let us know? Can you make me that promise? Now it's vital that you say, can you make me that promise? It's vital that you say, do you promise? You have to have the promise word in there. By the way, it's the one area of this whole thing that I get the most pushback on. Everybody says, oh, do I have to say promise? Do I have to say promise? Yes, you have to say promise, okay? Because if you don't say promise, we don't trigger the psychological advantage the promise gives inside of the human brain. Humans keep their promises for the most part. And so when we ask them to promise something, they know psychologically that this is a big deal. And if they can't make it, they are going to call you and reschedule. And more likely than not, they are just going to show up because they made a promise to you. Ask the promise question. I promise you it will work. Finally, recapping the relationship. Recapping the relationship is this. This is where we basically take the problem that they told us they had. So we found out that they have a DUI, we found out that they have a nursing license, and they've got, they're married and kids. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna end the call with, so Mr. Smith, I want you to know that Attorney Smith doesn't take your situation lightly. He's gonna do everything that he can to make sure that we protect your nursing license and make sure you're still able to put food on the table for those kids of yours, okay? And so what we've just done is we've let Mr. Smith know that we've been listening to him because nobody listens to anybody anymore. And we've let Mr. Smith know that his situation is important to us. And we've just put a tidy little bow on the entire process. And what happens when you do that is people show up to their appointments. What happens when you do that is when they show up, they ask for Sally, who answered the phone. And what happens when you do that is when they meet with the attorney or the initial consultation um, consultant who meets with them, they are more likely to hire your firm because they have a high level of trust from the very beginning. Recap the relationship. Don't miss it. It's not something you can memorize. It's something you have to own. And it can only happen if you've actually built the relationship in the first step, step number five. So when you build a relationship, if you can't remember it, if your person on the phone isn't really great at it, you need to take it and you need to write it down. By the way, if anybody from Four Eyes is on the call, if you're listening, it's a great idea. If we can, if whatever they wrote in the relationship section, if they wrote something in there, we could have it show back up for them again. I don't know if we do that right now, but I think it's a great idea. I just thought of it. Um, anyway, that's the 11 steps, okay? The 11 steps of setting a consult. Each and every one of them are vital and they stack on the one before. We've got some time. It's top of the hour. I've set this for a little bit after. I'm happy to answer anybody's question. If you wanna raise your hand, you can. Uh, if, you, if you're new in our world and you wanna schedule a personalized practice growth plan with us to see how your firm is ranking kind of in the realm of this 11 steps or anything regarding systems, we're happy to do that with you. Uh, you can type your question in the chat um, it's over here. I'll stick around for a couple minutes and I'll answer any questions that you have. Again, setting, using the 11 step process to set more consults will change your firm's future forever. I've got story after story after story of people who have done this and their conversions are through the roof. Okay. Any questions? No? Oh, there we go. Fran Slayton. No question, just a comment. The 11 steps were. <laughs> Great, thank you. 
Uh, all right, let's see, Fran, let me unmute you. Oh, hey, Richard, can you hear me? I got you, yes, ma'am. Um, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about um, uh, what, what Four Eyes uh, does with regard to the scripting, because I, I, I've talked to them just a little tiny bit, but um, I'm not clear on what their, what their software does. Yeah, so, um, so Four Eyes is, is not, so it started as this, it's developed into something much more, uh, but specific to the 11 steps, let's keep it to that so I can keep it, I'll, I'll, I won't convolute the conversation. Uh, what it does is it ties into your phone system. So your, your voice over IP phone system, you need, a, you, you need to use a voice over IP phone system. If you don't, they're easy to get, but it ties into your phone system. And if you have a CRM like Infusionsoft, it ties into your CRM. If you don't have a CRM, that's fine. They use a database on the back end. And what happens is when the phone rings, the, the screen pops up for the person answering the phone and it just walks them through step by step. And so the most important part about four eyes, the reason Bert designed it was he found when he used the 11 steps, the conversion went up, but when he, he found when they, his staff, when his conversions went down, he goes, well, I, I wait, we're using the 11 steps. Why do the conversions go down? And then he pulled the calls to inspect his staff. Like I teach him to do. And he found his staff stopped using the 11 steps for whatever reasons. They just forgot. They weren't managed. A new staff member came on. There's all sorts of great reasons why it happens. They're human. We are all human. And so what he did is he decided to develop software that forces compliance. So now when you answer the phone using 4i system, the rep has to move through all 11 steps in the process as they're on the phone. So it forces compliance to stick to the 11 steps. And the 11 steps have a script there for them to read from uh, until they've memorized it and they own it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Thank you. You're welcome. Anything else on that? Not for me. Okay, great. All right. Uh, we'll mute Fran. I'll lower Fran's hand. Anybody else have a question? Let's see. Let's see. Uh, promise the question works. There's no written book. Oh, if there's no, okay, so Pierce, if there's no written book, you skip this step. Yeah, but you know what, Pierce, I would say, um, I would say, like, if you don't have a book, um, maybe you've written an article, um, or maybe you have a, maybe a blog post that you've written, or somebody's written for you, uh, or maybe you have a free report, or maybe you've done an interview, um, you know, on TV, or a radio interview, or something, if you've got some other asset, I don't want you to get hung up in the book. If you've got some other thing that speaks to this, for a long time, Howard Snader used free reports because he didn't have a book. Um, so feel free to use whatever you have. I'm, I'm a fan of a book. If you're in my Partners Club program, I'm a fan of the book so much. I actually wrote the books for you. You get them as being a part of our world. Um, but if you don't have the book and you have something else, use that. If you don't have something else, then take it out for now. But I would, I would recommend finding a way to adding this in. I mean, it's a whole part of another system called a lead generation machine where we use a lead magnet to generate more leads. Um, but yeah, if, if you have nothing, skip it and it's okay. Um, just know that um, it, it's a piece that is, it is, it will help. It is not vital. I think what you're really asking or what, I, what I'm gonna answer, maybe you didn't ask this, but it's not vital to the 11 steps working but it does add a tremendous amount of juice uh, from the squeeze. All right, let's see. Dahlia, thank you. I promise the question works. Miracles, very helpful, Robert. Very helpful, thanks. Is there a recording? Yep, I'm gonna record this for you. I know I talk fast. Um, 
And sure, uh, you know, I think afterward you're going to see an email come out for me that says, "Hey, if you want a copy of the recording, if you're in our if you're in our world, you're going to get a copy of this. You get a transcript of this, um, and it'll be up on the dashboard for you. You know, I think we put last month's up the next month or whatever. Um, if you're not a member in our world and you want a copy of this, uh, you'll get an email later that says you can email me the Richard at therichardjames.com. That's Richard at therichardjames.com, and I'm happy to get you a recording of this, no problem. Um, any suggestions to fill dead air while inputting information? Yeah, great, great question, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Turner. Great question. So um, when you have dead air, I, I don't often have dead air. I, I've got a lot of hot air, I'm told. <laughs> but it happens. Here's the number one way to overcome dead air on the call. Uh, the first answer is, let's get comfortable with it. And the second answer is, let's tell them to expect it. So what I tell my reps, um, now I try to hire reps who are really good at typing and talking. Uh, that's, that's really important to me. But if they're not, and they, they're going to have dead air, I just tell them, just tell them in the beginning of the call when you're doing your introduction, just add in there. And by the way, as we're talking, I'm going to either be taking some notes or filling out some information. So if you hear some dead air, that's why you hear it. So I overcome the objection before it happens. That being said, I don't want a lot of dead air. But if I'm going to have some, I let them know in the beginning of the call that that's going to happen. I use that with my new sales reps all the time when they've got, uh, when they're learning a script or they're learning a structure that they'll, there'll be some dead air. So just tell them in, front, in advance. That's what they'll be there. All right, let's see. Dead air besides don't do it. Any suggestions for attorneys? Yeah. Get your mom, your sister, your grandmother, your brother, your cousin, your nephew, get somebody besides you to answer the phone. Um, Howard Snader, and, and I, I keep coming back to a couple of the guys, trust me, we've got a lot of success stories. It's just these kind of stick out in my head. Howard Snader um, used to answer all of his own phone, criminal guy. So he thought it was really important that he answered his own phone. Um, and does not just like DUI stuff, like fel felonies, murders, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Answered his own phone. And he was scheduling about 50% of his consult, or 50% of his leads into, into consults. And uh, he was doing that because, you know, they would call while he was in court and he'd call them back later that night. First of all, his, his, his life was a mess. It, it never worked the way that he wanted to. Everything was upside down. Most importantly, he wasn't getting back to people in a timely manner. So the moment he put somebody on the phone that was answering the phones from that had some experience, he went from scheduling 50% of his consults. He told me he scheduled 100%. I'm not sure I completely buy it, but let's go with 100% because that's what he told me, that he was scheduling 100% of his leads into consults. Now, the reason why I'll actually believe it is because back then, Howard was actually getting all of his leads from referrals because many of his lead sources had dried up. His website got whacked by Google. He didn't have any other direct mail, any other lead sources today. He's got a few of them, but then he didn't. And so he was getting most of his leads by referral. So I don't doubt that all of his leads were scheduling into appointments. They had somebody else do it. I promise you it's the number one thing you want to do to improve your business. You stop answering the in new inbound calls. I know it's tough. I know you're going to believe nobody else can do it like you can. As my good friend Scott David Stewart, an attorney out of Phoenix, would say, if you're going to build your law firm into a business and you want to gain your freedom, you're going to have to become okay with the fact that other people are going to do it about 85 to 90% as good as you are. And that's got to be okay. They're not going to do it as good as you are, but 85 to 90% of the way is good enough. 
and, and by them doing 85 to 90% of the way, it frees you up to do what you need to be doing, your highest and best use. What do you recommend for leads that call in after hours? Transfer to a phone that can be answered by someone live. Okay, that kind of sucks, but I get it. Yeah, it'd be ideal, right? So I've done it. I, I, you know, I own funeral homes for 12 years. So I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. My wife is a licensed nurse. Um, for years, she was either on call or had nurses that were on call for her. Um, it's a living hell. Nobody wants to do it. It's a pain in the ass, excuse my language, as to who's going to take the phone that night. Um, it's just miserable experience. Uh, if your calls have really, really high value, volumes and you really get a lot of after hours calls that are gonna convert, it may be a strategy that you need to implement. Um, your other option is transfer to a, uh, obtain an answering service. Yeah, so answering service is my general answer. So I use, uh, we use Lex Reception around our world. Uh, we, they're a sponsor of ours and a partner of ours, um, which means that they write a check to be a vendor in our uh, live events. Um, we use them personally, Lex Reception. They answer 24 hours a day. They answer in Spanish. Um, they have access to an appointment setting calendar so they can actually set appointments for you. I will say this though, if you're gonna use an answering service, whoever they are, don't assume just because they answered the call and set an appointment or, or whatever, that they actually follow these 11 steps because they, they usually won't be able to for lots and lots of reasons. So you wanna make sure you nurture that lead after it comes in by somebody else in your firm calling them back even the next morning to reaffirm the appointment to rebuild those 11 steps again you want to run through those 11 steps even having the answering service answer it uh, obtain answering service that does not know 11 step yet does four eyes allow for calls to be transferred to a different number sure sure yeah absolutely four eyes is just using the power of your R, your voip system so it just ties in and all the power you have with your voice system and more uh, comes with the four eyes capability. So, yep. Do you think post 5 p.m. appointments are necessary for people that work? Yeah. So, um, when I built the, uh, is this Scott David Stewart? Is this, is this Scott or is this, Amanda, who is this? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. So, yeah, my answer is maybe it's not Scott. Maybe it's another SDS. Anyway, my answer is this. Um, when I built the firm in Phoenix, it was a bankruptcy firm and a tax resolution firm. So uh, they weren't open on nights and weekends uh, initially. And I, my, my answer was, well, why aren't we? Well, because, you know, law firms are pretty much nine to five. And I said, yeah, but our clients aren't nine to five. So I, uh, I initially was open uh, one night a week and I was open for four hours on a Saturday. I ended up two nights a week. After the two and a half years, I was open two, two nights a week and on Saturdays. Now, the problem is, uh, in bankruptcy in Phoenix, my show rate was oftentimes less than 60%. Now, that's not a great show rate. It worked for me. It was a new business uh, that we we're building from scratch. And, and, and that, incidentally, that show rate was up for an initial show rate of like 30%. One of the reasons for that was because Phoenix is so sprawling. We only had one office and I wouldn't open multiple offices because I didn't want to stress the systems. Um, so that's why our show rate was so bad, which meant we could very well schedule five or six appointments on a Saturday and maybe we'd get skunked on a Saturday, which would really tick off the attorney. Or we'd schedule some appointments for a night and we would, people would get, wouldn't show and the attorney would get really ticked off. So what? I mean, I mean, it sucks. Now, the good news is it wasn't the owner of the firm, it was an attorney that I employed and they weren't happy with me, but that's the gig. We're in the consumer business. Um, and we did everything we could to try to make sure the people showed up but I, I don't know the exact math, 
but it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't generate 15 to 20% of our gross sales from appointments that happen at nights and weekends. Um, and if not initial appointments, comeback appointments, people dropping off payments, doing all the things that people need to do after hours. If I'm in a consumer law firm, I've got to ask myself, why wouldn't I have a night and weekend appointment? And listen, it wasn't fun for me as the business manager. I, I, was, I worked from home, um, but I would get on the phone, I, I get on my computer and I had cameras in all the offices with microphones. And so I would listen to the consults and I would listen to um, what was going on in the office and I would inspect what's going on in the office. And I had to be doing that on Saturday morning, either me or the owner would take turns watching from the house to make sure everything was working the way we wanted it to work. I um, mean, that's a pain in the neck, but um, I was committed to building the, the most prestigious law firm in Phoenix that was going to serve our clients. And, and I was committed to serving as many as we possibly could. And, you know, within by year two and a half, we, we were serving 125 families a month. Um, okay. I think that wraps it up. 315. Hope this was helpful, everybody. Still got 51 people on the call. That's great news. We had about, I think, a high of like 89 people on. That's fun. I hope it was helpful. Ron, that was kind of you to say, great job. I do my best for you at all times. You get the most of me, even when it's chilly in Phoenix and I got to bring the East Coast into everybody's world. All right, everybody, make it a great day. Hope it's warmer where you are than it is where I am. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope you learned something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better, one system at a time.